Let's take our Bibles once again. We have two uh, scripture readings for this evening. The first comes from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 16, and then from there we'll go to Luke chapter 22. Deuteronomy chapter 16. I'm just reading the the first three verses, and what I'll point out to you, what to listen for, is how uh, we're given the name, the name that the Lord gave to the bread in the Passover uh, feast was the bread of affliction, the bread of affliction. So let's give ear again to the very word of God, Deuteronomy 16, 1 to 3. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out from Egypt by night. And you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock or the herd at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat no unleavened bread with it. I'm sorry, no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Reading verses 14 to 20. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this. And divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Amen. Let's pray briefly. Our Father in heaven, we plead with you for a powerful work of your spirit this evening. Lord, we pray that you might warm our hearts through your word. Lord, that we might both see the glory of Jesus with the eyes of faith, and hear His voice speaking to us through Your Word. Lord, that we might come to see His glory all the more and marvel at His great work in taking upon Himself the affliction that should have been ours for our sin and rebellion. Lord, bless us. Show us Jesus in a new and fresh way, we pray in his name. Amen.
Well, this evening we're continuing in the theme that we began to think about this morning, and chronologically we're going backward a bit. Uh, this morning we thought about the four cups that were part of the Passover feast and how Jesus uh, fulfilled the symbolism in all of those cups and his, and his life and death and resurrection. And tonight, chronologically in the Passover feast, we're going to go back and think about the bread. Because of some of the concepts we saw with the cup, we see with the bread. And so let's begin right away by thinking about this bread of affliction that we just read about in Deuteronomy chapter 16. Now, I've highlighted for you how each gospel writer in their own way emphasizes for us that the, the setting for the institution of the Lord's Supper was the Passover meal. And there are those details that they assume that we will see. Uh, the, the illustration I gave to you this morning is, you know, they carved the turkey and we fill in all the details. He blew out the candles. We fill in all the details. And the same is true of the Passover feast. There are details that we are expected to notice. And Luke tells us in verse 19 simply that he took bread. Matthew tells us in Matthew 26, 26 that it was while they were eating that Jesus took the bread. And that means we're expected to know what this bread was. When we say, he blew out the candles, you have the right kind of candles in your brain right now. They weren't those big scented candles, but they were little birthday candles. And the same is, is true here of the bread. The bread that Jesus took while they were eating was the bread of affliction. The bread that we read about Deuteronomy 16, verse 3, the bread of affliction. Now, if you, you look at your outline, I felt like it was important to define this term because affliction, it's a Bible word. We find this word very often in the Bible. We saw it a couple times just in the psalm that we read. But it's not a word that we use all the time. So what does it mean? What is a powerful word. It meant trouble, poverty, misery, oppression. It meant to be pressed down or crushed. It referred to trouble involving great suffering. We could say then it was a word that summarized our estate of sin and misery without Jesus Christ. We saw in previous studies how the cup of wrath, in other words, if you are outside of Christ, you will have to drink that cup of wrath, a kind of a symbolic way of saying you will, you will be left to bear your own sin and your own guilt and the judgment of God. In the same way, we could liken the phrase, the bread of of affliction. Without Christ, 
That is the experience we would endure. Now, the bread of affliction, it occupied a central place in the Passover feast, and it was filled with, with symbolism. It was to remind our Old Testament brothers and sisters of their salvation from slavery, affliction, in Egypt. How God had, to think about those actions we thought about this morning, how God had brought them out, how He had delivered them, how He had redeemed them, and taken them to be His own people. And He did that. How did he do that? He did that by an afflicted lamb whose blood was shed and then smeared on their doorposts. And it was this same bread, the bread of affliction, about which Jesus said, this is my body. That was no mere coincidence. Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. The Lord was signifying how He would take upon Himself our affliction, the affliction that we deserved, that He would take that upon Himself. Our affliction is removed and we are saved, we are delivered, we are brought out because Jesus Christ, the true Lamb of God, stood in our place and bore our affliction. I read in our call to worship that section from Isaiah chapter 53, and you see, we hear that word affliction multiple times applied to Christ and His suffering. Specifically, His suffering of bearing the wrath of God, the judgment of God for us. Listen again to to some of these statements about Christ. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. In verse 7, we We read more about Christ's affliction. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Our affliction is removed because our substitute bore it for us. Because he was our substitutionary sacrifice. Because the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And on the night that he was betrayed, Christ took that bread of affliction, symbolizing that he was about to take that affliction of God's wrath upon himself to redeem us and to save us from our sin. And because Christ took that affliction, we, just like we no longer drink the cup of wrath, We no longer eat the bread of affliction. We now eat the bread that signifies His body broken and afflicted for us. Again, if we think about the the carryover, and I emphasized this morning that for the, the faithful Israelite, 
the Passover feast didn't just point them back, but they thought about it in terms of the Messiah. It pointed them to Christ. And just as their affliction was removed by the body of a lamb given, and by the blood of that lamb shed, that's what began their exodus. That is what began our exodus as well. And our exodus in Jesus is infinitely more wonderful. The removal of affliction, not of slavery in a foreign land, but of sin and guilt and misery and hell. Now that bread of affliction that we read of in Deuteronomy 16.3, and I'm not sure if you you caught that or not, it also was a bread of remembrance. God commanded them to eat the bread of affliction that they may remember. That they would remember when they came out of Egypt. And I think in a very similar way, when we eat the bread of Christ's affliction, what are we remembering? We're remembering the day our exodus began. When we were saved, when our sins were forgiven. I, I referenced some of the points of the Passover liturgy that we have from some extra-biblical writings, and we can be pretty sure what the host of, of the Passover meal would have said when he picked up that bread, the bread of affliction. He would have said that our fathers ate in Egypt. I don't, I'm not here to try to solve centuries of theological debate, but uh, you know, people debate, why didn't Jesus... Just be more clear and says, this symbolizes my body, not this is my body. Well, it was familiar language that was used in the Passover feast. And I think that if you can imagine, people who were used to hearing that, and we're not sure if Jesus said those words or not, but it had to be a powerful moment when Jesus picked up that bread and he said something new. and said, this is my body given for you. When he said that, the, the whole idea of affliction would have been in the forefront of the disciples' minds. And, and an exclamation point is put on that idea when he broke the bread before them. Now we see also that this, this bread of Christ's affliction is something that we eat. The bread of affliction in, in the Passover meal was something that they ate. But before anyone in history ever ate the bread of the Lord's Supper, there were very significant actions by Jesus. We, we read in the Gospels that he, he took, he, he blessed. Luke says that he gave thanks. So he took, he blessed it or set it apart. He broke it, and He gave it. And those actions are, are very significant. If you think about this morning, we considered the four cups and how they refer to those saving acts of God. How He would bring, He would deliver, He would redeem, He would take. 
And now with the bread, we find four actions by Jesus that are very significant. Four actions that portray to us who Jesus is and what He has done for us. What did Jesus do with this bread of affliction before He gave the command for His disciples to take and eat and do it in remembrance of Him? And we would do well to take note of this because um, I think one commentator, uh, he said this is something like the equivalent of uh, literary slow motion where the gospel writers often record things in very, very broad terminology, but then it's, the account here is slowed down for us to notice what he did with this bread of affliction. And he first took it. He took it just as he took a body to himself. As John says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus became incarnate for the eternal Son of God to bring salvation to His people. He had to take a body to Himself. He had to take a body to Himself to bring redemption to His people. So He, he took the bread... He took a body, but he also blessed it. Or as Luke says, he gave thanks for it. As Jesus blessed the bread, we could say his body was blessed or consecrated or set apart for service to God. Set apart for a mission. That, that's the idea. Um, you, you probably often hear me pray uh, before we come to the Lord's table, that the Lord would set apart the elements from a common to a sacramental use. That's, that's the idea of a, a prayer of consecration, setting something apart. And that's, that is what Jesus was set apart for. We see it so vi vividly at His baptism where He was blessed by His Father for His mission. He was set apart in Hebrews 10.5, the writer says, When Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for Me. Jesus prayed in His high priestly prayer. He prayed to His Father, I consecrate, I separate Myself, that they also may be consecrated. A body set apart for service, obedience, righteousness, and affliction. But then Jesus, as He broke the bread, that was so clearly symbolic of how His body would be broken as a sacrifice for our sin. How His body would be afflicted. How His life would be given as a ransom for our sins. In fact, we could say the whole goal of Christ taking a body to Himself and having that body blessed and set apart for service to God was to offer that body up to be afflicted in our place. And so when we read those very simple actions of Christ taking, blessing, breaking the bread, 
But we're reminded of his humiliation, his incarnation, his obedience to God as the consecrated Savior and ultimately his sacrifice. C.J. Williams said that Jesus' actions give a full portrayal of his estate of humiliation beginning at his incarnation, culminating in his cross. But then there was one more thing that Jesus did. He took, he blessed, he broke, and then he gave the bread to the disciples. And this is symbolic of Christ, Christ giving us sovereignly the benefits of his salvation. The benefits of his affliction by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The eating of that bread reminds us of the benefits we receive because of something He did. We thought about how with the, the symbolism in the cups, there, there isn't any symbolism that gets anywhere near a human work. And the symbolism is same, the same in the bread. There's a deliberate order. The disciples didn't just take the bread. Jesus first gave the bread. And this is symbolic, again, of God's sovereign work in salvation, that He is the sovereign distributor of the benefits of His affliction. That He, he, gives, he gives Himself to the people that His Father had chosen. That His affliction is sovereignly His to give. But after those significant actions, we have, on our part, significant commands. Jesus commands us to take and to eat and to do this in remembrance of Him. Now, here's, I think, sometimes where we get off into the weeds as, as Reformed people. We need to remember that God's sovereignty does not eliminate human responsibility. Christ's giving of that bread is symbolic of His sovereign distribution of salvation. He gives it to those the Father has given to Him, but just because Christ is sovereign in salvation, that does not mean that we are inactive. For our part, we are commanded to reach out and to take hold of Christ by faith. And these commands, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me, these are commands that signify a spirit-enabled response of faith and love and obedience to all that our Savior has done for us, to His finished work. We must take. We must eat. It's, it means that we must feed upon Christ by faith. All of these actions imply faith on our part. A trust. 
It implies an active and, and earnest participation in our sanctification. And we know that it's, it's God's Spirit that gives us the ability to do that. We don't sanctify ourselves. We don't sanctify ourselves by our own efforts. And yet these, these actions point to an active pursuit of Christ that must be part of the life of the believer. We, we must be actively and seriously reaching out by faith and taking hold of Christ. And so we need to be careful not to miss uh, those simple actions that we did this morning. We took and we ate. And that should prompt us to a greater faith, a greater trust in Christ, a greater desire and love for Him. It should remind us of our responsibility to every day be reaching out and taking hold of Christ by faith. It calls us to an active pursuit of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And the same is really true of the command to do this in remembrance of Him. I, I did a whole Lord's Supper sermon maybe a year ago on how in the Old Testament, remembrance is equated with faith. And in, as I pointed out to you already, we, we see that connection where the bread of affliction in the Passover feast was also a bread of remembrance. In other words, it had a command to remember attached to it. Uh, verse 3, Deuteronomy 16, uh, the Lord commanded them to eat that bread of affliction that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. Again, Jesus clearly drew on that symbolism. After having made the bread now the symbol of His affliction, Luke tells us in Verse 19, that Jesus said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so that bread and the Passover meal would have prompted the faithful Israelite to remember the day when God saved them, when He brought them out from under the affliction by, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Now the bread that we eat symbolizes His body. And it prompts us to remember His affliction on the cross, which was for our salvation. Now as we close this Lord's Day and really begin a, a new year and having come to the Lord's table this morning, let's remember that the bread that we ate, and even the wine we drank were symbols of Christ's affliction for us. It was the bread of His affliction that we partook of. It was His body broken and His blood shed so that we would no longer have to eat the bread of affliction or drink the cup of wrath. Because of His sacrifice, we no longer have to be afflicted. Do you believe that? 
But in Him, your sins are forgiven. They have been paid for. And that means we can come to Him confessing our sins, trusting that He will forgive us, trusting that He has carried our griefs, carried our sorrows, that for us He was smitten by God and afflicted. We are forgiven. And let that be a reminder of His great love for you, a, a vivid reminder that the affliction you deserved has been paid for in Jesus Christ. And so let's, as we start a new week, let's respond in love by pursuing Christ, by rejoicing in, by partaking in all of the benefits of His affliction for us. Father in heaven, we thank You for sending Your Son, the suffering servant, to be afflicted in our place. Lord, we thank You that You laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. I pray, Lord, that as we see the glorious gospel truths contained in that simple bread, that we might be reminded of the great love of Christ for sinners like us. We pray that we might come to Him with our many sins, trusting that He will forgive us, that He will renew and restore us, that His love for us will not change. And yet, O oh God, as people who have from the cup today, we pray that by the power of Your Holy Spirit that we would begin a new week, that we would begin a new year with an active serious pursuit of Christ and His righteousness. That by the power of Your Spirit, we would seek to know Christ more. Lord, that we would plumb the depths of the Gospel and that we would seek, like Him, to be faithful servants. And we pray all of this might be for the glory of Jesus our King. Amen.